Welcome everyone to the dance floor where life lessons are learned through the art of dance. I'm your host Anna Harsh and today's episode I'm so completely honored to have a special guest Jennifer Anton. Uh, Jennifer welcome to the dance floor. Thank you so much. Thank you Anna for having me. I'm so happy to be here. It's an honor. I am thrilled to meet you and ran across your work and your upcoming book and so that sparked some choreography sparks in my head of characters that I would dream about to uh, choreograph. So tell my listeners about your new project and a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I've been, um, so again, my name is Jennifer Anton. I've been uh, researching my Italian family for the past 14 years, since 2006, during kind of a tumultuous time in my life when my daughter was born and within a two-week period, my Italian grandmother passed away before getting to meet her and before getting to answer a lot of questions about her life, which I found out was uh, living through the rise of fascism and World War II. And I had no little parts about her, but I didn't know all the details to her life, and I had wanted to find them out before she passed away. And of course, time is not always our friend. We think we have all the time in the world, and we don't. So that kind of sparked a journey for me outside of my kind of normal career of really researching, going back to Italy on a regular basis, getting to know people I I never knew in a small town called Fonzazzo, Italy which is where the novel takes place. And, and also meeting people around the world, you know, in Canada, in uh, other pl- parts of the U.S., and um, in, in other parts of Italy, too, who were connected to the family who I never knew about before. And all of this really, you know, happening after my, my grandma passed away. So the story, the, the book is called Under the Light of the Italian Moon. And it is really, in, it's inspired by a story of love and women's resilience during the rise of fascism and World War II. And it is historical fiction, but it's based off of all the stories that I've collected in these 14 years and all the research that I've done, particularly, you know, it's, it's romantic in that it's a love story uh, involving immigration, a man living abroad and a woman surviving in Italy with him sending money back and, and this long distance relationship. But more than anything, it's a story of women's resilience, women living through two world wars in Italy, women having babies and the challenges, you know, my great, great grandmother was a midwife. So the challenges of having babies, uh, babies that are lost, children that are lost, the awful things that happen along the time. And then, of course, when Mussolini came in with fascism, you know, things really just um, just escalated and then eventually Nazi occupation in the town where they lived in. So. All of this is part of the novel. And um, yeah, that's the project that I'm working on right now and, love, and that I'm launching. Yeah. And that uh, March 8th is your launch and that's International Women's Day. I love that idea. Yeah, it actually, it did not happen completely on purpose. I have to be honest with you. The timing worked out, you know, originally I wanted to publish this in 2020 and, and that didn't work out timing wise. And uh, my publisher and I were working through, you know, the right timing. We were kind of aligning it because it is such a women-centric story and a story of the connection of daughters and, and mothers in Italy. We really wanted to connect it to kind of Mother's Day. And I live in London now. So Mother's Day is actually March 14th. And then just timing worked out and and we were looking at it. And before we knew it, we were, were talking about March 8th. And I said, that's International Women's Day. And honestly, it's it, everything about this book has been so serendipitous. It's been a complete gift. And 
And I really believe that there's a reason for everything that's happening. And I do think that there's a little bit of intervention from the women of my family saying, we want this story. We want these stories told. We don't want to be forgotten. Absolutely. It sounds like divine intervention. And <laughs> I've experienced some of those kinds of things throughout my career too. And I, I feel that I think that that they sort of set us up to succeed in that way. And their stories do need to be told. I love this idea. I can't wait to buy your book. Can you tell us a little bit more about connecting with your grandmother? I know that um, I too, you know, my grandparents passed away when I was younger. And so it's hard to find those details. They're not here to tell me. So Mm -hmm. I think that's part of my journey too, to find these dances that connect me with their hometown and who we are as Italian Americans, right? Yeah, completely. I mean, I first learned, you know, my my grandmother, I would hear her talking Italian on the phone all the time, but mm-hmm. otherwise she had really acculturated to America and she did not teach her daughter, my mother, to, to speak Italian, which is, you know, obviously a shame. And now that I try to do it, it's really difficult. Right. But when um, I was in high school and I started to learn about World War II, I was sitting with her one night and I said, Grandma, weren't you in Italy during World War II? Were, did you live through any of that? And she said, yes, I did. And she started to tell me stories of the Nazi atrocities that took place in in her town. And I I was amazed by what she was telling me. And it it was so devastating and so sad. And honestly, I think that there's a lot that hasn't been told about what happened in World War II Italy especially from a female perspective, from a a woman living in a rural community, you know, um, midwife, people who were, were helping to bring children, what was happening to them. And so those questions though, you know, I asked her a little bit of questions and then I kind of forgot about it as you do, you know, you're a teenager, you're living your life. Right. And I came back around to trying to answer these questions as I was older, but as I said, she passed away. So after that, it became this journey of connecting with, you know, different Italians, in my family. So it started with her sister who is still alive, her younger sister who had also been through all of it. And she was able to answer a lot of questions for me. And then through that, you know, the Italian network gets working for you. And before you know it, (laughs) before you know it, you're connected to people, cousins everywhere. So when, especially when I went to Fonzazo, wow. I mean, everyone from the priest, I mean, sitting in the archives with the priest, he told me so much. He was able to pull out records. I mean, he was in tears because he was so excited. And then, you know, all of these people just kind of, you know, really came out and, and embraced it. And that was such, again, this, this book, you know, I now have a final, final version of the book, but the truth is that over these 14 years, every year has been a gift of different, you know, pieces of information, people coming into my lives, things being uncovered that I didn't know. It's been truly, truly such an amazing thing to to do it. And, And it had to take 14 years because when I started the book, I was 29 years old. I was just about to have my first child. Now I'm 43 years old. You know, I I have a 14 year old daughter. This book is about a woman going through her life and these changes along the way while in the background, fascism is growing and she's heading into World War II and you see her changing as a person as well. You know, how do we look at our children? How do we look at ourselves as we go through motherhood, as we go through life and as we age and as things are happening to us, as we lose our mothers, you know, all of that is incorporated into. So, so many people can relate to that, no matter if you're Italian or not. That's what I always say. You know, you're telling everybody's story. You know, it's, it's every woman's story. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and that's, 
I mean, that's kind of what's been so magical. And this is the best thing about it. I think, you know, as I wrote it, my hope, I wrote down my goals for this book and I wanted to impact 1000 women's lives for the better to make them either feel more resilient or just, you know, just appreciate their power and their strength. Because I think women don't often realize how strong they are just because we may be soft does not mean we're not strong. I think the biggest, you know, obviously, um, my family was was Catholic and is Catholic. And so the Virgin Mary is an important symbol for right. us. And so there's this moment where my main character, Nina, is is praying uh, in between, you know, terrible things happening with the with the partisans being killed and, and so forth. And she's praying to the Virgin Mary. And it's this gen- she notices the gentle foot smashing the, the snake. Yeah. And it's, it's that power in, in, in softness yes. that actually is stronger than power out of brute force. Sure is. I would watch my grandmother sew. Uh, she used to crochet as most, you know, Italian grandmothers do, but she used to crochet. And I just thought it was so delicate and so soft. But when she was done, you have this massive tablecloth or, or mm-hmm. gown or whatever she was making. I just thought, like you said, it's that softness, but when it's pulled together and you see the end result, it is strength. Yeah, it is strength. And the other, the other key kind of theme in my book is this concept that women create and men destroy, yet women are the ones that are forgotten and erased in history and men are the ones who are remembered. So if we think, you know, really about the fact that, you know, this book is ultimately about, you know, um, the daughter of a, of a very strong-willed midwife and midwives were bringing babies, bringing life, all of this birth, you know, constantly bringing life. And here we are with Mussolini and Hitler, just eliminating life after life. And when I think about all the people who died in World War II, you know, all of the numbers over 75 million, what right. I think of now is every one of those was a birth and a delivery yes. for yes. a woman who went through all of that to bring that child through her into the world. And then just like that, because, of, you know, men wanting power and can't, and unable to think of better solutions than violent fighting, we end up in this situation, like, which is why I feel like we need diversity in the world. And this is yes. why this book, even though it's about history, is truly reflective of, you know, feminism today, because we need diversity in organizations, in governments. If we're ever going to find new solutions to the same old problems, we have to have new people sitting in the important places, sitting in leadership in organizations and corporations. That's why I love teaching about cultural dance because it broadens our, you know, our horizons. It under you start to understand we as a world and that we're all the same, but maybe we do things just slightly different. And it's important to know our traditions, no matter who you are and where you come from. It helps you understand yourself, and it gives you a little bit of empathy for somebody else. Yeah. I mean, dance is, you know, dance is such an important thing to me and has always been such an important thing in my life. I'm lucky that my parents gave me that gift of, you know, the, the expense of the dance classes because it's so wound into my core, but you're exactly right. I mean, no matter where I travel around the world, uh, I I try to take a dance class. So, you know, we were in India a couple of years ago, I took a Bollywood class and it was so amazing. And I'd love to go to Cuba and take, but you're right. It's a great way of kind of connecting people and opening people up culturally and just thinking about the diversity of of who we are and how we're actually more more the same than we are different absolutely uh, but appreciating each other's differences and the beauty of dance is exactly that
Can you tell us, our listeners, a little bit about, you were talking about dance in your book, just the romantic part of it too. Um, You have lots of sides to your book and I love that. So tell us a little bit about the romance of it and the two of them dancing. Yes. So we have talked a lot about the the women's side of it. There is a, a, a definitely a love story at the core of all of this. And it's the love story of Nina Argenta and Pietro Ponte. And he was living abroad. She was in Italy. And throughout the book, they kind of meet at the beginning of the book. She's 10 years old. He's about to leave for America, you know, as a young boy. And she's amazed at this. And she just, you know, wonders, how, how is this that somebody so young is leaving? And she kind of is interested in doing that too. She wonders what it would be like to do that. But then he goes away, but she always remembers him. He comes back five years later and there's a festival and she's still quite young, you know, she's, but she's lived through World War I with her mother. And so she's a, she's a young, but an old soul um, after living through that. And they're celebrating, they're at the Festival d'Uva, which is the great festival, and they get a chance to dance together. And, you know, it's the, really those, those first feelings of who is this person who's giving me butterflies in my belly? And um, I mentioned um, un, colpo, un Colpe de Fulmine, which is probably, I'm probably pronouncing it horribly, but it's a lightning bolt of love. Mm. And it's basically love at first sight. Yeah, that first part. So, yeah, I that first it. part, that first feeling. And, and she gets to experience that when she's 14 years old, but then he's gone again. So, you know, eventually they, they do have a relationship. They do have a long distance relationship. And, um, and her, her desire throughout the, the whole time when she ends up being in Italy on her own through World War II is to hopefully get back to him and get back in contact with him after they lose contact. So the dancing moment is, is special. And it's one of my favorite scenes actually in the book. I love that. I can't wait. Well, um, because I was getting in touch with you, I think this really has sparked my thought and creativity again about doing this solo piece about Italian women and the rise that we have and the marks that we leave on the world. So definitely, I can't wait to read your book for sure and um, chat with you more about it uh, after I get a chance to read it. Maybe we'll do another session and and dive deeper. Um, as a, a new person that's you know being creative out there, um, do you have any advice or tips for them? How do they get started? Is this your first book? This is my first book, yes. And my advice would be... Um, well, first of all, don't don't ever give up. Uh, if you really feel like you have a book in you that you need to write, you're the only person who can do that. So do not give up on it, but do everything you can to educate yourself to to write the best book you possibly can. And you know, hire hire a team. You're going to need editors and proofreaders to make sure that your book is the the best quality you possibly can make it. And, and when you're ready, put it out in the world. But there, you know, every challenge that you come up against, and I hit every one of the walls, especially because I was busy with raising a daughter and having a full time career. Right, um, real life. Every everybody hits the same walls. So go on YouTube, type in what's giving you trouble, and you will find lots of answers to help you get out of it. So where there's a will, there's a way and tell your story because you're really the only one who can do it. So don't, don't give up. Yeah. And we, a lot of my listeners are different kinds of storytellers. Some are writers, some are dancers, musicians, Mm -hmm. uh, painters, sculptors, all of us out there that are being creative. It's important to tell your story in whatever medium that you have in front of you. And I always say, don't be afraid to cross over into another uh, realm of artistic endeavors 
maybe to inspire you on your own one. Um, sometimes uh, I've been creating music myself lately. Yeah. Uh, my brother's a musician, my sister's an author, and I'm a dancer. So we're all creative in my family. Um, and that goes back about 500 years, I understand, from my family tree um, that we've all been artistic throughout the years and centuries. So that's exciting to know. Um, but I really connected with your book, and I think others will definitely connect with your book, too. I think it sounds romantic. I think it sounds exciting um, and just something to learn about, just about Thank history you. and how we can learn from our history and not repeat it. And I can't think of a better book right now to really dive into and read. So tell us again, when does it come out and how can we get a hold of it? Sure. So the book is available for pre-order now. It can be pre-ordered in a few different places. If It's very easy to order the ebook on Amazon. Uh, it's better to order probably the paperback. If you can order it through bookshop.org in the U.S., then you can support your local independence, which is great. You can also uh, order it through barnesandnoble.com. So you can pre-order that now. But the book is launched on March 8th, International Women's Day, and will be available you know, to be shipped to you as of then. But you can pre-order it on all of those sites today. And I would just also say um, there's a couple of exciting um, activities going on. So if you are a member of Goodreads or if you even get on Goodreads, I actually have 10 signed copies. The books that the ARCs actually advanced reader copies just came to me today. I'm going to sign 10 of them and um, they will ship from London to to 10 lucky winners on the Goodreads giveaway. So if you want to try to win a signed copy, you can do it on Goodreads. And then also, if you are a NetGalley reviewer, it's available on NetGalley as well. That sounds so much fun. Um, since you've done so much work, I know what it's like to put years and years of work into a project. And then now it's finally coming to fruition. Um, for me, I get, I get excited, but I also get a little nervous. How are you feeling about your launch? Are you excited or, or nervous yeah. or both? Well, I, 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 I'm both. Absolutely. I think it feels like you're going to walk, walk outside naked, basically. That's what I compare to. <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think I have, I, I'm, I feel so much better because of early readers, because exactly what I'm getting from the feedback from the early readers, who, by the way, are around the world. I've had people who have early read it in, in Ethiopia, um, people in Australia, people all over the U.S., uh, in Europe, and that what's coming back is exactly what I wanted people to take away from the book. So in that sense, they're giving me a lot of confidence. My early readers are giving me a lot of conf confidence. That's and a great tip, yeah. Jennifer, right there. Just, you know, if somebody's writing a book out there or their work, you know, test it out, ask friends and family, get, get on, is it Goodreads to get somebody else to read your book? Uh, Goodreads is actually a, um, like a book social media um, site. So um but yeah, there probably are chat rooms on there where you can offer up early, early um, options of, of your book. It's quite yeah. a common thing in the publishing industry um, to offer advanced copies sure. and then um, and people read it. Ideally, it's strangers because friends and family are too nice. You need people right. who will give you honest feedback. I always say, give me feedback, be mean, because yeah. that's what helps make it the best it can possibly be. So yeah, uh, that critique and feedback is yeah, crucial. Before it gets published. Before yeah, it gets and for dancers, we know all about feedback and critique because yep. it's coming at us all the time. Um, so definitely. <laughs> oh, my dance you know, teacher used to slap my leg on my pirouettes. I mean, she would oh sit goodness. there with her hand out and she would slap my thigh if, you know, I wasn't turned out properly. So 
Oh, yes. Online. I know all about that, Anna. <laughs> um, well, Jennifer, for those of us that haven't been to London, you know, your commute back and forth to Italy to, to London, how is that going for you? Oh, it's, you know what, it's super easy. I'm, I'm very lucky. I mean, obviously with COVID, it's, it's a bit of a challenge, but I was right. very blessed in the sense that <clears throat> all summer long, we were able to be in Lake Como. And then all of October, I was between Venice and Lake Como and, and Fonzazo, spending time getting, you know, some final um, things, you know, talking to the people who are involved in my book in Fonzazo. It's a very small town, but I really, I really hope and pray that this, that this book sheds a light on how beautiful that, that, part of Italy is. It's, you know, in Belluno, near the Prosecco region, there's a lot to see and do skiing, everything. So I'm wow. hoping that it helps bring some, some uh, attention and interest into Fonzazo, Italy as well. Well, I'm hoping to get back to Italy in a couple of years for sure to do more research. And I've been to the northern part of Italy, like Milan, Venice, Florence, those areas, but that uh, I haven't been to Lake Como yet, but that is definitely on my bucket list. Yeah. Um, my and the book is, is all in the Dolomites. So the Dolomites, okay. um, you know, are the, are the very gorgeous mountains that yes. basically split um, Italy from Austria. Right. I'm hoping to get all 20 regions in my category of my repertoire of dances. I have about half. Yeah, but, um, very impressive, I, Anna. Oh, well, it's <laughs> like you said, it's years and years of digging and asking yeah. and, and going and researching. So maybe we'll talk again in the future and maybe I can hook up with some dancers there in the northern part of Italy to capture more of those regions and make sure that those dances never leave our, our world, you know. I'd love to see that. That would be incredible. Jennifer, you're inspiring. I hope everybody else is listening out there just... <laughs> you know, goes and gets back into their creative process, whether it's writing or dancing or music or whatever it is, because like you said, your story needs to be told and you're the only person that can tell it. Oh, thank you. And you're inspiring too, Anna. Well oh. done. And well done. I think the best thing is, you know, bringing up others. That's what, that's what all yes. of this is about taking other people with us. So thank you yeah. so much for having me on. It's always it's reach back, always <laughs> reach back and give somebody else a hand. Tell us one more time what your book name is. Under the Light of the Italian Moon by Jennifer oh, I Anton. I love that. <laughs> Okay, everyone, you heard it here. Jennifer Anton and her beautiful novel coming out March 8th. Don't forget to go out and get that. And she has wonderful giveaways and some fun uh, events coming up for herself. So check it out, everyone. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, I'm your host, Anna Harsh, and you've been listening to The Dance Floor. Baliamo. Baliamo.